This is Channel Attitude. Your voice, your right, your freedom. This is Vince Russo's The Brand. That's life. That's what this show is all about. It's about the trials and tribulations and making it through every single day. It's about being the best you absolutely can be. It's about making this world a better place for you and for me. It's not about you. It's about the one who created you. And it's not about what you want. It's about what he wants. You were created with a purpose that only you can fulfill. You were created to glorify him and glorify his kingdom. You were created with a job to do. That's life. My job is to tell you the impact that God had on my life once I let God take over. That is my story to tell. That's life. Welcome, welcome, welcome everybody to That's Life. It is Memorial Day, and I am dedicating this show to all the fighting men and women of the past, the present, and the future out there fighting for our country and fighting for our freedom. This show goes out to you. You are all very, 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 very much appreciated. I see there's a a lot of people joining me in here today, and I always love to see that, for this is the most important show that I do. Good morning, Clive. Good morning, Boris, my friend from Germany. Guys, hop in, man. This is a show about life. Man, I, I, I got to tell you, there were, what, three wrestling events over the weekend and bro, my Twitter timeline like literally gets bombarded with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of tweets about wrestling. And I'm just like, really? Like, wh- why is this so important? To so many people, man. Something so meaningless. Guys, I, I've said this quite a bit, and this is based on experience. When you're putting a lot of attention into something that doesn't matter, and wrestling does not matter, you are probably neglecting the things that do. Um and uh, I don't know, man. I don't. I don't get it. Uh, there are just so many 
more far important things in life. Man, it, it's 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 okay to enjoy yourself and do the things that you enjoy, but I'm not I'm not seeing enjoyment. I'm seeing obsession. And uh I don't know, bro. I just I really feel um if you are obsessing over anything outside of God, you may be missing a big picture, man. You may, may be missing the signs. You may be missing what God is telling you to do. Good morning, Troy, and thank you for the cheers, bro. Very, very much. Greatly, greatly appreciated. You know what we're going to talk about today, guys, because I, as I tell you every week, the Bible discusses everything. And I wanted to see today, what does the Bible say about war? And that is what I'm going to talk about today. And I went to Christianity.com. And of course, there is an article, What Does the Bible Say About War?, written by Candice Lucci. As Christians, we know that God has a purpose for every command he gives. He is never gratuitous, never delighting over bloodshed. The Almighty hates hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, and feet that make haste to run to evil. That is Proverbs 6, 17, and 18. One frequent objection raised against the Christian faith is the violence described in the Old Testament. Gideon, David, Joshua, they were among the many leaders who conquered and killed in the name of the Lord. Israel appears to have been a violent nation, and God seems like a despotic warmonger. What was the Lord's purpose for war? Why is the Old Testament so violent in, in contrast to the New Testament, where Jesus offers peace? Very interesting, guys, because if you have read the Bible, you will see that the Old Testament, there is a lot of war, there is a lot of bloodshed, there is a lot of killing, uh, and there is a lot of violence. Make no bones about it. That is what the Old Testament greatly consists of. So what makes the Old Testament different from the New Testament? The theme of war in Scripture. A biblical coordinates offers over 400 references to war. Break these down, and they include examples of military conflict and the interpersonal conflict. Scripture tells us that there is a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace, Ecclesiastics 3.8. Battles, battles were planned throughout the ages according to God's appointed time and purpose. The Lord describes his people as my hammer and weapon of war. With you, I break nations in pieces. With you, I destroy kingdoms. Jeremiah 51, 20. 
Jesus warned that his return will be preceded by wars and rumors of war. Matthew 24, 6. So, you know, bro, you are seeing this is a real God. Because this isn't God talking all about peace, love, and understanding. This is a God talking about reality. And part of reality is war, and part of, part of reality is hate, and part of re, uh, reality is violence. And he's talking about that here in the Bible. According to the great Billy Graham, the Bible certainly urges us to pray for peace and support those who work for peace. But the Bible also warns us that we will never bring about a complete end to wars and conflicts. Countries, communities, and families engage in wars which leave a painful legacy. Later generations return to those conflicts in physical or emotional ways, hurling bullets or abuse back and forth. Any peace between traditionally hostile nations and neighbors is uneasy, suspicious. Both sides know that a new conflict could flare up out of the bitterness of defeat. The defeated side nurtures a thirst for revenge. So, that tells us through the history of time, once a war begins, there is always a good probability that that war is going to continue, even if with later generations. Weapons of war have included swords, guns, cannons, and words. There is always a risk that nations and people living side by side with their Unresolved tensions will pick up their weapons for a new attack. Until Christ returns, there will always be war. So again, man, this is made clear in the Bible. And the great evangelist Billy Graham is is confirming this. There will always be war. Old Testament bloodshed. There are several Old Testament examples of military engagement where the Lord's people are overcome by oppressors or are ordered to kill their enemies. Even a cursory reading of Joshua can provoke questions that leave us confused, angry, and perhaps even ready to give up on the Bible and on God. Why would a good God? send his people to take land that belongs to another nation? These are all great questions, bro, that we are not afraid to tackle in Christianity. The Lord sent his people into lands which he had laid aside for them. Israel conquered lands and took lives. The book of Joshua is particularly challenging, but as Andy Patton argues, we need to read it in context. Yes, there is plenty of violence here, but also a nation of idol worshipers engaging in pagan rituals, which included child sacrifice, rejecting 
and mocking the one true God. You know, bro, you reject and mock the one true God, you're going to experience the wrath of God. The root of judgment. Canaan did not spring up out of another God's creation story. The Canaanites were descendants of Ham, the son of Noah. Each person slain by Joshua and his men were made in the image of God and descended from Adam and Eve. Yet the Canaanites were led to reject God, turning to debauch religious practices. They were guilty of treason against the commandments, the roots of which were implanted in each person when he or she was shaped by God, even before he gave Moses the Ten Commandments, even if they were not exposed to the teaching of religious leaders. Paul explains, the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them. Romans 2.15, the Canaanites stood accused. Now, here are some biblical finer points of war. When Joshua led his army into battle, they were not descending upon a regular town. This was a military outpost. Joshua Ryan Butler explains that God is pulling down the Great Wall of China, not demolishing Beijing. Patton also reminds us that there were boundaries and limits established by God, which limited Joshua's military pursuits. Parts of Canaan were to be left alone, and Israel was commanded to offer mercy and invite the Canaanites to worship God. Few accepted. So in other words, they were given the opportunity to herald and bow to the, the, the one God, and they chose not to. While some might say it was mercy which motivated the Israelites to spare lives, where the Lord had told them to spare none, the Christian knows that God has a purpose for every command he gives. He is never gratuitous. Delight, delighting over bloodshed, never gratuitous, never delighting over bloodshed. The Almighty hates hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil. Proverbs 6, 17, 18. Finally, Patton explains that the language of warfare is full of hyperbole and rhetoric. Extreme battle language typical among the writings of ancient nations. Obviously, when a nation is said to have been wiped out, this cannot be the case if some remnant of that nation is describing events they witnessed. War is always bloody, but it also has a purpose. In God's economy, that purpose was to wipe out evil and to be glorified as sovereign. 
not gratuitous violence. Now, when we turn to the New Testament wars, it is a little different. And I'm going to get into that right here. Israel was a conquered nation by the time of Christ because they continually chose to worship idols instead of worshiping the Lord. They were never overcome, however, owing to the military prowess of an imperial power such as Rome or Egypt. The Almighty demonstrated his sufficiency with the few hundred men who conquered the Mennonites. I'm sorry, Midianites. The problem was eternal. In James 4.1, the eponious epistle writer asks, God, there's a a lot of words that that are tough here. Uh, What causes quarrels and fights among you? War never ceases because there is an internal and painful confrontation within the believer. The war to overcome sin. Christ did not come to earth to lead a decisive battle against the physical enemies of Israel because internal strife is the real problem. James 4.1 tells us your passions are at war with you. When Christ healed the paralytic, he first said, Take heart, my son. Your sins are forgiven, Matthew 19. The most important enemy was the one which prevented an individual from experiencing eternal life with Christ rather than eternal hell in death with Satan. So while Christians are taught to love their enemies instead of fighting them, they still wear the armor of God, Ephesians 6, against sin and Satan, their most ruthless enemies. As Gandalf said as the fellowship faced the Balrog, swords are no more use here. Paul exhorted the church at Corinth to fight sin with the weapons of our warfare, which are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. 2 Corinthians 10.4 So again, what we're really talking about here is the fight against evil. And there is always going to be an evil because there is always going to be a Satan. And there is always going to be a devil. Uh, So there is always going to be the presence of evil. And that is what we are constantly fighting against. Why? Because we're not going to let evil take over. God is not going to let evil take over. You could see a lot of these, a lot of these situations that I'm talking about today were these different countries and these different peoples worshiping idols and not worshiping God. What 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 are idols today? Money, money, fame, fortune. Movie stars, entertainers, wrestlers. That's worshiping idols. There's only one person we need to be worshiping. And it was no different back during the days of the Old Testament. 
So I'm going to wrap this up with the coming end times war. Christians anticipate one final decisive confrontation between Christ and Satan. Christ came to save his people from eternity, from their biggest enemy, sin. So removing Satan from his rule over the earth will be the most dramatic and violent war ever to take place. We know who the winner is already. What we do not know for sure are the details. Revelation offers clues, but much of the language is symbolic. Historical battles are described using extreme language. But how can language avail us to try and depict the final epic battle? This is Revelations 29. Fire came down from heaven and consumed the enemy. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Unlike some of the warriors of Israel, Christ will follow through and completely destroy Satan and his minions. We know that victory is certain. And since Christ is the leader, He will obey his father to the last detail. It's always been the fight, good against evil, man. Going all the way back, bro, to the Old Testament. And it goes all the way back to false idols. And it goes all the way back to the devil telling you, to worship those false idols and not worship God. And when God created us, what's the first thing he said to Adam and Eve? Follow my lead. Follow my law. Follow my direction. Follow my word. Put no one above me. He made that clear. That was the only rule in the Garden of Eden. Put no one ahead of me. Listen to no one before me. And that's where it all began. And that's where we are all now. And again, man, we we are seeing different forms of false idols. Especially money being number one. Money and and richness and fame and fortune, all the things that many non-Christians are chasing, power, control, all the things that they are chasing. And God is forever going to fight against that. He makes it clear. Since the beginning of time, bro, he makes it clear. So like I say every week, man, whose side are you on? It's it's that simple. If you want to be on the side of the world, just like back in the Old Testament, God gave you the right to make your own decision. So if that is your decision, you will live and die by the sword, and that that's okay. God God has not forced himself upon any of us, none of us. But we will forever 
be fighting the war against evil. Even within, bro. Even within. That's life, everybody. Again, this show was dedicated to all the servicemen and women. And the fight for freedom and the fight for what's right and what's good. Have a great, great Memorial Day, everybody. And I will see you next week. That's life. That's what this show is all about. It's about the trials and tribulations and making it through every single day. It's about being the best you absolutely can be. It's about making this world a better place for you and for me. It's not about you. It's about the one who created you. And it's not about what you want. It's about what he wants. You were created with a purpose that only you can fulfill. You were created to glorify him and glorify his kingdom. You were created with a job to do. That's life. My job is to tell you the impact that God had on my life once I let God take over. That is my story to tell. That's life.